Happy Monday. How's it going, everybody? It's going well. We're doing another uh, in-person Monday morning data chat, at least for the two of us. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, you're in Salt Lake again, surprisingly enough. Uh, for PyCon, among other things. Yeah. yeah. How was PyCon? It was good. It was really great to connect with people I haven't seen in a while. That was probably the best part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I think I went and got my badge, and then I just had a lot of other things going on. So it, it happens. happens. It's, it's almost worse if it's in your home city because you're not away. You're just kind of on vacation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, cool. Um, yeah, enough about us. Uh, so we got uh, the co-founders of uh, Cube on the show, um, uh, Pavel and Artem. So for people who don't know who you are, do you want to give a quick intro? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, thank you for having me today. My name is Artem. I am one of the co-founders and authors of uh, Cube uh, with Pavel. We started Cube in 2019 as an open source project and uh, building building it since then. So super excited to be on the show today. Nice. Yeah, and uh, I'm co-founder and CTO at Cube. And basically, yeah, I, I was building the uh, from scratch a lot. And that's how we learned with Cube. And basically, uh, I... I built the vast majority of a cube in the early days and still building it right now. Yeah, that's cool. You talk about it a bit. I'm very curious. Like as a just a, um, a founding CTO, especially like how you balance uh, uh, you know maintaining the project while trying to focus on the um, you know the, the productized version of it. I suppose. Yeah. yeah, but but yeah. I mean, so you know, we're here to talk about semantic layers. It's it's a it's becoming a popular term. Uh, I think it's also a term that I sense is. N- is maybe consolidating, but I feel like there's still maybe different definitions of what a semantic layer is. Do you guys want to throw your hat in the ring and and, uh, give us your take on what a semantic layer is? What what a semantic layer is and is not, I think is maybe a a good way of framing the question. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, Uh, I think you're right. It's the consolidating, maybe like a two, three years ago, we we saw some explosion of like a last wave, last generation of companies trying, you know, like to build semantic layer. Um, and we saw a lot of terms like metrics layer, metric store, headless BI, and semantic layer too. So, and it's been, I don't know, like maybe four or five companies that like uh, raised a seed round at Series A and Cube was one of them that tried it, you know, like to go after that sort of problem again. It's not like that is a first wave, right? We have companies like at scale. And then if we look uh, even uh, at older generation business objects, and to some extent, we can consider, you know, like to be a semantic layer as well. But in the last sort of a generation, last wave, it's been a few companies like GetCube, Supergrain, Transform Data, and a few more. And yeah, funny enough, like pretty much every company used a different term. Um, I think just because it's still people try to understand how the semantic layer should look like, you know, like what features it should have and where it should, you know, like provide more value, less value, where it has more features. For example, some people would call it metric store, uh, you know, coming out of companies like Airbnb, where they have successfully implemented, you know, like the metrics repositories and they uh, maybe over indexed a little on like metrics definition, you know, like, like, like a Viki for metrics, all of this. So that's, you know, like was one of the version of semantic layer where like more focus was put onto the, you know, like in the metrics, how you define them, how data consumers can search for them, all of that. Um, other companies, you know, like uh, 
Cube used the term in headless BI because we came from the uh, like more like embedded analytics side of the business, and we thought like mm -hmm. a BI is commonly used for embedded analytics, right? And then you have headless BI because we don't give it charts essentially, right? We like give an API for you to build your embedded analytics. That's why we prefer the term headless BI. Uh, but then again, now it's all like consolidating into semantic layer, I think, which is good for like industry because, you know, like it's easier for, for, uh, practitioners to sort of navigate, navigate the space, less terms, just more consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always get confused. I don't, I don't really get as confused, but I know back when everyone's talking about metrics, semantics, uh, Lord knows what else. Like I was just like, I. I'm unclear on like which one is which. Um, you know, as you point out, Airbnb had its article that you know they they built the metric store many many moons ago, and it was amazing. Right. And I'm like, that's cool. Um, what's the difference between a metric and a semantic? Um, it's right. like a, right. I don't know. It, it's I'm glad that at least um, so hopefully consolidating on on terms. But uh, yeah, I don't know what what were your thoughts on any of this? Yeah, yeah, kind of the same thing. I think we're, we're start for a long time. <laughs> this was just kind of a, it was sort of a buzzword for a while. And I think now it's turning into a, a real clear thing about what this exactly is. In fact, do, do you want to take a stab at just like defining it for the audience here? Like what, just a very concise definition of what a semantics layer is? Uh, yeah. I think, the, and I feel like every, every person who is building, you know, a semantic layer right now will still give a different answer. So okay. we're still going through the sort of consultation, you know, like kind of standardization here. But I think it's an interface to data, and it's uh, it's a data modeling uh, piece of uh, of BI. So um, when I when I look at the you know like what's happening with BI is, is you commonly have a data modeling coupled with with BI, right? And then uh, you need to repeat that data modeling again in every BI. Mm -hmm. And uh, the problem semantic layer is solving is that it's just trying to apply dry to that. It's like, do not repeat yourself at every BI, just extract that data modeling and make it, you know, like sort of unified for every BI. So, and then make it an interface to your data, right? So every BI would go to that data model and kind of use it as an interface. So, and in short, it's an interface and a problem it's solving. It's just it solves the repetition through the do not repeat yourself principle. Right. Yeah. I think the first time I encountered this was, um, it's seen it in uh, business objects a bit. And then with uh, LookML, is I think the first time that I saw it like really explicitly done in a code first way. Yep. Um, and so that was, it was pretty well. No, actually, the first time I saw this was in uh, in ORMs actually way back in the day oh, with a yeah with a with yeah. like Ruby on Rails right because uh, uh, there uh, was it Active Record or something where it was yeah you because because then you start because then when I looked at uh, look at I was like this seems suspiciously like what Rails was doing and Django was doing uh, with both templating languages and uh, just the ability to define something once and reuse yeah it. that was pretty yeah. interesting so I uh, will. I will tell you one term that we've been using uh, when we started Cube as well. We called it ORM for data or data ORM. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not to, not to add more inconsistency, you know, like to different <laughs> terms, but that's one we used back then. So, uh, yeah, I, we saw a lot of similarities. My background is uh, I've, I've been coding a little bit in Ruby and Rails. So when we started Cube, I was thinking a lot is like, 
is it like is it like a Ruby on Rails, but data specifically oh. active record part of the part of the Ruby on Rails? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's that's pretty funny actually. Yeah. So I'm not completely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny too because you can kind of come at this problem from two different points of view. So there's the ORM point of view, software development. Let's take those principles and apply them to to analytics. Yeah. And then there's the problem that any analyst has had when they don't have a metrics layer or semantics layer, and that is. Every analyst is defining their own reports and they're trying to define standardized company metrics like profit or how many customers we have. And the reports are all inconsistent because it's all embedded in individual SQL queries and no one can quite get it exactly the same. Well, but that's what dimensional modeling was supposed yeah. to solve for, yeah. right? It was, was having uh, a consistent uh, you know, store of your uh, facts and, and uh, dimensions and, and whatnot. But um, I'd like your take on that too. Like, do you, do you feel like that the... the um, I hate to call it the old school way, but I call it the traditional way of data modeling for analytics. Do you feel like that still has a place or do you feel like that's being um, somewhat supplanted by uh, uh, semantic layers or are they, or are they compatible with each other? That's another question. Uh, yeah, I think they're more compatible. It's like a dimensional model and it's still, I think it's still relevant. And, you know, like I see a lot of people doing it this, maybe, you know, like it still could be a question is like, do we still need to do, you know, like classic, you know, like Kimball style dimensional modeling just because our technology kind of changed a lot, and, you know, like in the last, what, 20, 25 years, you know, like when, you know, like idea came initially. And I think it's, it's true, technology changed a lot. And now we can just, in many cases, do one big table, right? So I think, you know, like semantically, I should be more of a tool giving you either doing, you know, like if you don't want to do dimensional modeling, you can still do that. Or you want to do like more like OBT, you can still do that as well yeah yeah it's interesting because and, th and then we had who was it larry burns in the show a couple yeah. weeks ago and we were talking about data modeling and he was really a fan of even approaching it from the um you know the conceptual and logical layer first and then the physical implementations of whether you choose kimball or one big table or sort of a secondary uh issue according to him and he's i mean he's been writing about data modeling since like the early 2000s so i think he's had a lot of time to think about yeah. it like almost at least 20 years or probably more of it when you publish it. But what I find interesting in that is it feels like the, the conceptual and logical modeling is definitely gone. I would argue somewhat by the wayside um, and people really focus on sort of the um, have it implemented in say a data warehouse or a cloud data platform, I guess, as they're now called uh, modern yeah, data yeah. stack uh, yeah. or whatever. But that's um, at least it's an observation I've had. I'm not sure if you're seeing something different, but it, it seems like, again, like the conceptual logical which is more kind of higher level modeling is um, maybe being somewhat ignored. And, you know, we just make a bunch of metrics and, uh, and just throw them into reports. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing or again, if I'm just like crazy and stuff. So. Yeah. yeah I think it's, it feels it's, it's definitely more diverse and, you know, like if people don't try to be, you know, kind of put into some boundaries, it's like you, you do, you know, like that and follow the book specifically, right. In your data modeling. So you can, you follow your, you know, like your, your entity structure, your, your business model, you know, like, and again, yes, you can, you can, you know, like, I think all these techniques, they're like secondary, really. So, you know, like, and if you feel that what I see, just like people, you know, like people feel they just working and doing the job, then they apply in it, right? So same with Cube, right? When I think about the data modeling in Cube, it just, it's not built for one specific technique, right? So it, again, it could support if you want to do data dimensional modeling, you can do that. If you want to do one big table, you can do that. I think overall, you know, 
uh, cube approaches closer probably to like one big table really mm. but you know like it's still still easier to do like uh dimensional if needed you mentioned lookml so you know i think it's cube has just two two entities as well as like look lookml has views and explorers we yeah. call them cubes and views it's a little bit different names but they like serve the same purpose so you build your data graph where you define all the joints everything and then you just build we call it views just like one big table so you you ex explore them in you know like you build them to expose into different bis and then bis right. can read them as one big tables if right. needed if you still prefer to do dimensional modeling so you can you can rebuild it as you know like it's more dimensional modeling and then bis will look at it as a star schema or snowflake schema but default way is just to do one big uh one big table got it that's pretty cool she got a couple of questions already uh it's gonna be a good show if you're getting questions this early uh, Jeffrey Jacobs asks on LinkedIn, uh, why aren't views useful more for semantic layers? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I assume views is more like, uh, more like, uh, database views. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we did mention yeah. look ML views, which aren't exactly the same thing. So, uh, um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think uh, I'm going to assume it's a database view. Yeah. 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 For sure, and I, I can I can jump on it, Pavel, and then feel free to feel free to chime in because uh, we talk a lot about it. Why you know like why we, is it really what are you building? Is it it's it's is it adding value? You can just run uh, you know like uh, everything inside your like warehouse and build a bunch of views. I I think to answer that question, I need to look at the, you know like when we look at the semantic layer, I think usually about two things. One is how do you define semantic layer, and then how do you query semantic layer. The first thing is defining semantic layer. I believe the DDL is not just the best way to define semantic layer, just, you know, like for managing your data definitions and metrics. So you need some sort of, you know, like a declaration language, uh, which you can put under the version control. And then, you know, like you can collaborate on that. So, you, you know, like you can make safely changes, you can make APRs, you can read that. So, you know, like just applying everything, you know, like in, in, in definitions of views, it could be not, uh, you still need some framework, even if it compiles down to the views, uh, eventually you still need some sort of, you know, like a good framework to, to manage and scale the definitions of the data. And then on the second side, uh, the how you query that, the problem with that, the databases, they don't have a notion of the measure right now and the concept of a measure at all. So you still will do all the aggregations on a, on a querying site, right? So uh, while it could be fine for like a very simple aggregations, it's easily get, you know, like uh, nested. It's easily get, get more advanced and tricky. And this way you're starting doing this aggregation during the query time. And uh, that's actually a part of the metric definition that's a part of the your data definition and then started to happen on the bi side so that's probably why you no know, like it's not possible to do uh, and, I, and, I, use. and also joins i think once you land a joint problem like with use uh, you you have actually two options so either you would expose like joint dimension in a view and basically do the joins inside your sql where you query and then you need to uh, basically solve the chasm and trap problem, which is by itself uh, uh, like uh, very, very hard problem to solve, like inside and SQL and manage. Or you can incorporate your joints and views, but you end up with a combinatorial explosion, 
it's very very easy to get like uh, basically uh, 120 tables out of five you need to join like under the hood so and that's that's uh something that becomes very unmanageable pretty quickly yeah that's that's kind of how i think of this problem having worked with lookml for example somewhat in the past um the, the this approach like the kind of lookml semantic layer approach is more flexible in terms of mixing and matching metrics whereas otherwise you get this massive combinatorial problem defining you know a thousand different views or something across data mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um actually Sonny rivera has a question here and he's actually got a couple of questions i'll start with the uh Latest one here, and it goes back to when you comment on uh, DDL there, Artem. Um, yes, why hasn't DDL adopted semantic layer functions, or is or yes, am I going off the rails? No pun intended for Ruby on Rails, I'm guessing. But um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I think you know, like if I if I take a step back, why data warehouses are not building semantic layers, right? Probably it would be question and then you know like DDL could be a tool for them to build that uh, I think you know like data warehouse vendors they are looking into building semantic layers so Google bought Looker specifically for that right we we all know that LookML is a semantic layer for BigQuery yep. and like LookML is going to exist only to sell more BigQuery um, so um, why it's not why they bought Looker and not doing this for some sort of you know like DDL I, I just think you know my take is that DDL is not the best tool for the job for defining the metrics. Maybe there is some way, you know, like extending it, but it may look, you know, like if you extend it too much, you know, like it's going to look like a LookML. So why not just like have something like a LookML instead uh, or any other, you know, like a semantic layer framework to, to define metrics. Again, I just don't think it's just DDL is the best way of, of doing this, but it may be done technically. So, you know, like, and we'll see. Yeah, but before it's done, it should be like extended. SQL itself should be extended because it's not enough from SQL perspective. For sure. Here's another question I have. Like in the cloud era, and maybe even before with Hadoop plus data warehouses, we saw this kind of proliferation of analytic systems. In other words, a company, instead of having one main analytic system, might have two or three. So say they have Databricks and BigQuery or Databricks and Snowflake. Um, does, do semantic layers play a role there in combining data from different systems? We, we got a little question a lot. Um, and oh, okay. I think that comes to the, you know, like, are we, we're still talking about definition of semantic layer, right? Like when we started, it's like, we try to understand what it should done versus what it shouldn't. That's one I'm still, still, you know, like wrapping my head around. Uh, there is a category of software, like a pre Trino Presto, right? So, you know, like it's like a query federation that, you know, like you would expect to do that. I don't think, and you know, like Dream.io too. So do we, um, should that be a part of, you know, like semantic layer or not? Should they build their own semantic layer? So I think we have some crossovers that uh, we still try to understand. My take is that, for example, Cube shouldn't do that. While we have a cross data source, you know, like joins and cross data source, just querying overall, I think it's just intended to bring more like semantic layers that can work on top of multiple data sources rather than trying, you know, like to really do like a complicated federation. So, uh, and when it, you know, like someone from a community is asking me, 
kind of use Kubeflow Federation, I would say like technically you can try to use it to that extent, but you probably need to look at Trina, you know, that's going to be probably the better fit for your use case. And then you can run a cube on top of Trina. So uh, Pavel, you, you may have a different take on this. No, that, that, that's it. I guess uh, like from like data modeling perspective, once you land on a complex query federation, uh, problem you should you should use uh, like query federation engine because under the hood and cube we don't build full fully fledged query engine we have a cache mm -hmm. which can be suited to fulfill the gap between you have like uh data in one place you you can like regulate that and the data in another place and just join two rollups together but not beyond that just when you have a sense of very specific query that can be served from like two data sources, but not on data modeling or ad hoc querying anything like that. Interesting. I see Sunny has a follow up question here. Uh, he says, when we say data modeling, do we model for analytics versus warehouse or application data modeling? I think that's a good question. So. I felt I've been answering all the questions. Paul, okay. if you want to take yeah. it, I can yeah. do that. I mean, what are your uh, thoughts, though, on, on, I guess, a, a, a semantic layer for application data modeling? I feel like this is an area where, um, you know, it, it's something I've been writing a lot about. The uh, I would say that there's it, it, kind of paralleling what, what's happening in analytics where maybe we need to kind of rethink how we're... Um, uh, defining our metrics, right? I mean, the same thing is happening over in um, uh, applications as well, right? So, I mean, you've all worked with ORMs. I'm sure you you know the uh, the joys and the absolute uh, horror show of a mess you can create with your data uh, using an ORM. And so, do you have any thoughts on application um, data modeling um, with semantic layers? Yeah. And by application, you mostly mean OTP stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think I think right now uh, with this whole concept, there is also a concept like of entity layer, and there is a whole question about like should this like semantic layer thing grow into like OTP stuff? I would say it's it's an open question, and uh, there are uh, that's like very nice idea, and uh, but there are like too too many like technical hurdles right now to overcome because in a sense like from technological perspective you need completely different set of technologies to sort the lab traffic versus OTP traffic uh it means uh, while you can model all the stuff pretty the same way but from uh like uh, from serving perspective it should be different and a lot of stuff which is happening like on modeling layer like for example for cube it boils down to like tweaking the performance stuff. And at that point, uh, you would need to have like two branches like OTP on the lab. But I think like uh, at the end of the day, there are ways to do it, but there are like really big technical challenges to overcome. Like um, for example, eventual consistency. What if you're using data warehouse, but you, you want to write back based on the data from data warehouse like snowflake tries to solve it right like providing otp and transactions stuff like that but still like a very uh long way to go mm, yeah i can see that so well i mean as you point out you know just even um 
collecting all the analytical data sources together and trying to come up with a consistent way of doing it there is, I can imagine that's challenging. So I'm trying to, the one uh, semantic layer to rule them all would be, uh, and I guess in another level too, does it, I mean, there's certain nuances where maybe it makes sense, maybe it doesn't. So in an application, if you define certain things a certain way, like uh, things related to a customer, maybe analytical questions are, you know, they're, they're usually different and same with machine learning. So, um, but I think something like that will probably happen at some point. It seems this to be the inevitability, but maybe not. Well, especially for real-time data, that's where we've talked about it a lot. Where it's exactly you it. might have a separate, you know, facts dimensions model for your data warehouse, but there are certain real-time analytics where you right. need to define that schema in in the application. Like you cannot post-process it fast enough. Basically, that's what I think data contracts are trying yeah. to attempt, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's you know, what are your thoughts on data contract? I mean, where does a data contract uh, kind of intersect with a semantic layer, and then? Where are they uh, completely different? Uh, I think that semantic layer should should have some way to work with the data contracts. Uh -huh. I know. I just uh, I I try to understand this data contract should be a feature of some you know like of some software, some tool we have. Mm -hmm. You know, like maybe like a CTPU. You know, like a, like collection overall, or you know, like and somehow to be integrated with semantic layer, or it should be some sort of you know like a separate tool uh, that sits you know like and work across multiple you know like again it works with semantic layers, ETL, and you know like CDP, and just kind of you know like ensures some sort of you know like defines and ensures contracts, or oh, you just move the you know like the process again, and you know like and then the Part of this process should be implemented across multiple tools. So I think it's a little it's a little unclear. So I haven't yeah. seen a lot of you know like practical implementation of this. I mean, like every company has some sort of you know like a documentation rules and you know like a guidelines you know like around around that area. But it's not like some you know like standardization or like some some sort of you know like kind of yeah. approach that I have been seeing you know like consistent across multiple orgs of implementing this. Uh, and I, I haven't seen a specific vendor that's, you know, like uh, dedicated to, to doing this, you know, like in kind of pushing for some specific philosophy here. So, yeah, I mean, I mean what is what is your take? I, 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 I mean, I think a, a data contract is very much a defense mechanism. It's not an offense mechanism. Right. So you, you're basically like trying to ensure that whatever contract you have with upstream producers is what you expect as a consumer and, and that. Um, it catches a violation you know, before it makes its way to production, right? And so it's 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 a check and a balance. I, what what's what the things I've been thinking about right now is sort of what's the intersection of like stuff like data catalogs, semantic layers, contracts. Because um, I feel like these are all similar-ish in their own ways, but they're different enough where maybe they are standalone. I uh, um, would love your take on sort of the uh, you know where does a semantic layer fit in with the data catalog, for example? Yeah. That's an open-ended question. I would love your opinion on. Yeah, that one is that one's a little bit more tangible than you know like Kratos and uh, yeah. data contracts at this point because we got a lot of like data catalogs vendors out there, right? Um, yeah, I think some people expect to have some sort of you know like a data catalog features around semantic layers. It's what I, you know, like see, you know, like by, by talking to people, especially, you know, like if we talk about the idea of the metrics store or metrics repository, right? Like the people would go in to see all your metrics, you know, like to see how to query those metrics. Uh, so that's really feels a little like a data catalog already. Mm -hmm. um, what we do at Cube and 
you know, we'll see whether it's the right approach or not. We'll try to not build it at all, almost at all. We're building some internal tools just to help semantic layer engineers to work with uh, with the data model, you know, like to understand lineage, graph, all of that. But they, it, these tools, they're not intended to be exposed to the end data consumers. So instead we wanted to integrate with uh, tools on the market, like Alation, right, or something like that, just to give, you know, like data consumers and, you know, like all the business units a way to look at this sort of, you know, like metrics and catalogs through the, their existing data catalog solution. So I, again, I feel like semantic layers just should integrate with existing tools, but yeah, it may be a different approach. Interesting. We've got a question here from uh, Jonathan Neo. What's up, Jonathan? It's uh, it's in Australia right now. I have no idea what time it is. Um, but he asks, uh, do you think that we'll have the same decoupling and semantic layer and the visualization layer like we've seen in front end, uh, back end frameworks like Node.js and uh, front end frameworks like React? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the short answer is yes. Um, I think that's a whole idea, you know, like. Uh, or the, or the semantic layer is to decouple the function of BI, right? As he, he mentioned in, in the beginning, because like we have a data modeling and then we have a visualization in a BI, like a LookML in Looker and the rest of the Looker with charts and all of that. And then idea is just like, let's decouple that again for the purpose of, you know, like make it dry and, you know, like just make it, maintain it uh, separately. And what happened with, a, you know, like a, application developer is a really good, you know, like a uh, example back then in Ruben Rails days, right? We were writing called big, you know, like a full stack applications with all the logic, you know, like having in one monolith application. Now we sort of decouple it and it's, it's only benefits, right? We can, we can maintain it and we can scale it. So yeah, the same, the, the same idea here. And I believe it could happen. I think the, the, the biggest issue, the biggest challenge is how to make sure that the BI experience is still native, even if a data model is decoupled, because many BIs, their UI and their interfaces and the user experience is being really driven by data model. It's like Looker and you define an explore and, and then you have this explore and a list of explorers, right? So now you're decoupling data model, how you make sure that the, the UI of the BIs is still, you know, like working well and it's still user friendly and it's easier for, you know, like non-technical data consumers to consume data through some BI while data models decoupled. So that's a, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting. It brings up a point that um, like I, always, I always kind of joke with Matt and with the audience that data feels like it's about 10 to 15 years behind software. I mean, I don't uh, think it's even really a joke. It's not a, it's I mean, it's a reality, but I ha we have to joke because it's kind of yeah, depressing. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, uh, but the, the notion of like MVC, which, you know, Rails, I, I think adopted back in the day, you know, tightly viewed. I mean, it, it's interesting though, because you don't, you, I, I haven't personally seen like the same sorts of paradigms being discussed in the data world where uh, MVC is sort of old hat and, and software development, but it did represent when it was, you know, popular back in the 2000s, like a way of abstracting out your model, your view and your controller. Um, and each of these had separation of concerns. Obviously there's, there's new paradigms now um, and so forth, but um yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of interesting that because it sort of represents a similar-ish type of conversation of how do we start decoupling out 
the view layer from the the model layer and and, and so forth and it's uh, i don't know if you you guys have had nerdy discussions like matt and i have had on, on this topic but uh you seem like you guys have fun chats like that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think we even rem when we were uh, yeah, we obviously been talking about mvc too i think we remembered even facade patterns it's one of the you know like this like canonical patterns in the book right so the like facade pattern i think reminds you know like uh, the data model a little as well where you know like you're really building facade of your data right yeah. with semantic layer and then you're exposing it to, as an interface to the um to the like all the bi tools but yeah i i see a lot of similarities here uh you know like with, with orm mentioned and you know like in this c concept so and uh it's it's funny also you know like maybe to follow up on one of the questions that previously been asked about application data modeling it will be interesting to see how at some point, you know, like, and I believe it will, you know, like all of these ideas will start, will start to converge, you know, like, and we'll have application development and data development, you know, like kind of, you know, like yeah. starting to, to kind of, you know, like uh, uh, coming together, uh, especially, you know, like if warehouses will provide some sort of uh, transactional support yeah. eventually for us, right? Uh, so that would be an so-called HDAP architecture. So that would be that would be interesting to see. What is what, what is your take on that, by the way? How do you how do you we, see that is coming? We wrote we wrote about this in the last chapter of our book, uh, fundamentals of data engineering, and it was so we we kind of speculated on the future of data engineering. And I think what we one of the conclusions we had was there's just going to be I think a fusion of uh, software engineering, data engineering, and ML engineering, like because data really. In the past, data existed in sort of a one-way life cycle, right? Where, you know, it kind of starts, it's created, then it goes somewhere else and it becomes a report. And then who knows what happens. So maybe a decision's made, but that it's a very fuzzy feedback cycle in that respect. But but now, you know, with the rise of, you know, data-powered applications, you know, whether that's, you know, analytical data or whether that's machine learning, this goes right back into the application. And so I feel like software engineers and data engineers and ML engineers at some point are going to become basically the similar type of person, perhaps the same person, maybe you're just a full stack data developer now or something, I don't know. But it's, but I feel like there's a very interesting artificial divide between, um, maybe it's not artificial, maybe it's necessary in some cases, but I think we overstate like the importance of like, oh, well, analytics is over here and this is analytics. And software's over here as a software and machine learning's over here. Like I was just actually finishing the slides on my talk I'm giving uh, in Munich later this week about the, um, you know, the intersection of uh, data engineering and ML engineering and how, you know, I could make a very strong argument. They're very similar and a very strong argument they're not. Uh, and so um, you can hold two opposing ideas in your head at the same time. But, uh, but with software, it's, it's fascinating because you're exactly right. It feels like the world is converging, right? HDAP and so forth. Um, Right. The data engineers and data people are starting to talk about software practices, uh, and I'm glad this is happening. So, it, it, but the, 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 I think the crux of it's really going to be software engineers understanding data, which I think has been the harder part, because um, software engineers typically, depending where you work, obviously, if you work at a big company, right, where there's data power, you know, you're kind of data centric and data powered applications, like that's just part part of your job. Your title may, might not be data engineer, but you're working on some of the biggest data systems in the world. So, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I tend to agree. I think there is this very much this traditional <clears throat> separation between the data generators, basically, and the people who consume on the analytics side. And that's caused a lot of headaches, right? Like, no amount of downstream data modeling can fix data problems that you create 
in your application. I mean, you can kind of clean things up, but there, there are certain things you're not going to be able to restore, or there's just a lot of yeah. pain around the amount of time EZL takes, for example, or, you know, data pipelines to get things in order. And I think, I mean, the, the data mesh concept is very controversial, but the part about it that I really like is the fact that you're integrating the data creators with the people who are responsible for analytics, right? And so whatever the ultimate team structure is, I hope we can kind of get rid of that artificial divide, especially in big enterprises, but it exists in startups too. Yeah, it exists. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, so it's part of that, the notion of the new book I'm working on is just sort of the end to end, you know, thinking about data modeling from end to end and, and the data life cycle. Um, and end to end also means like um, beginning to beginning. Mm -hmm. So this is this is sort of the uh, the the the, uh, the thought process. So I don't know. I'm very fascinated to see where this this goes over the next few years. I think like the semantic layer is definitely the, a giant first um, step towards that sort of decoupling that will actually make this make sense. Because right now, because everything is monolithically tied to each other, it, it's it's impossible to get these separation containers by definition. And so that, I think it's a huge right. hurdle to making this happen. So I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I've got a couple of questions here. Um, these are all good questions, actually. Uh, Sonny asks, uh, do you think, um, yeah, do you, kind of going back to what we were talking about maybe a few minutes ago, but do you think that semantic layers and models will be focused on non-technical users for self-service analytics and more traditional data teams of analytics engineers? Um, I think semantic layers and models should definitely be focused on non-technical users, helping them to navigate, you know, like the data model and hopefully not make mistakes when they, you know, like self-surfing. Uh, but also they could be helpful for the data analysts who are building, uh, you know, charts and dashboards to provide to the non-technical users, or maybe, you know, like building uh, embedded analytics application on the data apps, just because, uh, you know, they would be able to query the same metrics, you know, like, and not repeat themselves when the data modeling. So there is like a huge benefits here. Uh, I think sort of a semantic layer should still give away, you know, like to sometimes maybe query the raw data and then merge it with the model data, especially, you know, like for more like a data teams and analytics engineers who need more power. Uh, so it's it's sort of it's sort of a facade and a protection, right? And then at some point we we need to understand when, you know, like when some people and some teams should be able to bypass that protection. So that's that's something that's been on top of our mind as well as like how that should be designed. Uh, and, you know, like based on different consumption scenarios, uh, but uh, I think, you know, like definitely to support dashboarding and, you know, like a slight exploration that use cases can definitely be supported from a semantic layer. If you're talking about more like a detailed, uh, you know, like data investigation, I would say almost, I, I think, you know, like here we're more talking about, yes, some data can come from a semantic layer, but then still going to be a lot of, you know, like a query crawl data for, you know, like we're like we're talking about really data professional and they usually know, you know, like what they did and, you know, like we're talking about the, the, you know, like a different error proneness, right? Rather than, you know, business users and non-technical users. Makes sense. And then um, I'm going on a roundabout way with the questions, uh, but uh, 
Jonathan also asks uh, a kind of follow-up question to his question about de decoupling the uh, semantic layer and the visualization layer. Um, he says, if that's the way forward, uh, why haven't we have a better abstraction for the visualization layer that feels closer to uh, how BI tools exist? He says, so far, the visualization frameworks that exist, like D3, Plotly, Leaflet, Chart, require a front-end developer to implement. Um, probably want to answer that. Or... Yeah, I, I think <laughs> yeah, I can take this one. Uh, so I think what's happening right now, so we are, um, I would say, at the, at the beginning of a market annealing that basically should happen if like semantic layer is a thing. So the, the uh, why we don't see this too yet is just a question, I, I guess it's just a matter of time because there was no like semantic layer, which is like uh, self-sustained and uh, there are not, not a lot of those yet. So I guess uh, once semantic layer exists like as a technical implementation, right? So there should be more and more tools that connect to those semantic layers and we will see more and more like thin tools that either have like really integrated like uh, uh, semantic layer uh, on their side, either don't have it and just use like existing ones. Uh, like we can see one tool like which is called Light Dash, which is like heavily mm -hmm. built on top of DBT, right? Uh, but they built mostly on top of like DBT models. Uh, uh, however, I think uh, this will continue to evolve once we see more and more like semantic query implementations which work. Yeah, I think that's something we've seen too, especially when you get into embedded analytics, it's still not perfect, right? You can definitely take the route. And we see this a lot where software engineers will, you know, take one of the, um, you know, frameworks that uh, Jonathan posted there and, um, you know, take a stab at it. The issue is that software engineers typically aren't trained in the uh, art of building visualizations. Well, it's so. just like design and visualization and everything. Else. Yeah. It's kind of a weird crossover where you need analytic skills, but you also need like design, UX, UI, all these pieces. Yeah. They look like shit, to be frank. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, some of some of them are good. I've, I've yeah, worked some some of them like fantastic. Um, yeah, I remember one time I had to build a. Uh, I started a job and and in two weeks I had to get out um, an entirely new uh, analytical um, framework for the company. Um, that was a nice crash course and a lot of stuff. But the designer I worked with was fantastic. We we luckily got it out in that time frame. But that was pretty bananas, especially like oh, cool. Get started. Like, Cool. I'll, I'll do that. Um, so it can be done, but it, it does take somebody, I think, who has a good eye on design. And hopefully this becomes a lot more um, available. I know that, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the intersection is of the uh, open source frameworks and also the BI vendors and kind of, because uh, I think a lot of BI tools tend to be very kind of top heavy, I would say. Um, and right, they, you know, they solve certain types of questions, but if they come up with a very lightweight view of, of how they do stuff too, that would be pretty sick. So, but yeah. Um, Gosh, lots of fun questions here. Davis, Vance, uh, we're actually doing a uh, an AMA with him later today for his book club. Yeah, so. yeah. And also, are you going to be at the uh, low-key happy hour in New York? I'm trying to make it, so I should be there tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Davis. Really cool dude. Um, but uh, he asked, do non-technical non users want to be more involved, or do we hire analytics professionals to do that work for them? He says, I think adding more data distracts business users from their work of thinking about customers and building solutions for them. Uh, 
same dichotomy. So I don't know if you have thoughts on this. <laughs> David stuff. <laughs> Um, and I think it's not really connected to semantic literal a little bit more like a workflow question, right? Yeah. Uh, more of a macro question. Yeah. I think, uh, data teams should definitely be embedded into the business, you know, like, and I feel like maybe in an organization scales, we should have multiple, you know, like, uh, data professionals being embedded into multiple, multiple verticals of the business and just kind of building this understanding of that and then bringing that understanding back to you know like the the data modeling should data modeling be centralized or not uh i think it would probably if we'll have a centralized platform a framework that helps to scale into different departments and segments that would be ideal and then we'll be able to have data professionals who are embedded into specific departments to own some part of that uh centralized but specialized semantic layers or like a data model that would that would be great but uh yeah that's just my quick take on take on that question any take pavel yeah i i think like uh, uh i guess right now like i want to touch more on like the semantic layer thing here it's uh, actually maybe uh, like uh, semantic layer stuff should help uh, more this, with this, uh, uh, like I would say hiring question. So uh, I think that that's that's the demand we see like from our like early adopters of like semantic layer thing. That's actually uh, they want to try to solve this all the data mess and uh, basically save time for like doing actual job with the data rather than fulfilling like question from their business stuff like that. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. I don't know. What do you think about it? Does more, what's more data uh, help or hurt? <laughs> so. I don't know. It depends. I mean, I, I actually, I have some thoughts that are, are trickling down through this whole discussion today, which is we almost need to focus, maybe someone is already writing on this, I'll have to look around, but we almost need, need to think more about data UX. We need to think about this in terms of a user experience, because I think technical people tend to think just in terms of, okay, what's my data model? And it tends to be a physical data model, kind of like you were saying, Joe, right? Like they're very focused on the nuts and bolts and data. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have people who maybe just care about pretty visualizations and you really need to care about that whole experience end to end so that the data is accessible as possible. So more, I would say basically more data can be a problem. Going back earlier to an earlier part of the discussion, you have your highly technical like exploratory analysts who dig into the raw data and look for new insights, but often business users just get confused by too much data too early. I think this is changing though too. I, my podcast I was doing on uh, my other podcast, uh, the Joe Reese show, but we're talking with Ryan Dolly about this a couple of weeks ago. And I think he actually had a very good point where he's, he's had a series of articles where he's written that I think he, the whole, the whole way we've been doing BI needs to be rethought. Um, I, I would say, you know, and I, I do agree. It's we're stuck in this dashboard mode uh, way of thinking, and it's somewhat antiquated. I mean, you know, tell me that. And here's why: a lot of the same questions and the same issues that we've been running into for decades, we still have them. And, I, and at some point, you need to maybe look in the mirror and ask, okay, is it maybe is it the way we've been doing things that needs to be called into question as data people? And I would say, yeah, there, there are. We should rethink this. Maybe people 
you know, need to consume data in different ways. It's a different experience. And the other thing, obviously, that, you know, the big elephant in the room are large language models and how that's going to impact uh, BI. I think that that needs to be uh, thought about and, and um, well, people are doing it and thinking about it later. But, um, you know, it's uh, the nature of it. But that's that's going to change a lot of the interface, I would say. Um, I know, you know companies like ThoughtSpot already integrating in, you know, their own GPT type of a interfaces and i expect stuff like that's going to be table stakes uh pretty soon how you train it on your own data and get it um to produce correct answers is like an entirely different question um that'll let people smarter than me figure out but uh i, I think that's going to be the table stakes interface something like that so yeah but you're what you're alluding to here i think is it's really exciting that there's the solution hallucination problem where it might just make things up instead of giving a correct answer oh well, we saw that the other day yeah yeah, yeah we asked chat gpt uh what uh you know, who who wrote our book and, and it came back with uh what was it I, i'm a, a senior data engineer at google and you you're like a senior data scientist at airbnb, at airbnb or something or yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, which we're not i don't know something i checked so uh yeah it's yeah. it's interesting but um yeah i mean kind of kind of you know wrapping it up like what do you what do y'all think is next like if you're if you're to kind of uh put on your uh, nostradamus hat and and you know and predict five years from now where semantic layers are going to be what, what do you, where do you think it's going to be at uh, I think the converging of, you know, like software engineering and data engineering, you know, like, and basically all TP and all up, I think that's, uh, that's one big, big area where, you know, like, hopefully we'll see innovation in, in the next five years, you know, like, and really, you know, like this two type of the workloads and, you know, like two type of the applications kind of being converged together and, you know, like semantic layers, hopefully we'll be able to facilitate that. Um, the other thing is, as you just mentioned, large models, right? And just like uh, all the AI, uh, the innovation that we see happening right now, uh, how that going to impact the data? And, you know, like it's it's hard to predict at this point, you know, like there are some practical applications, as you mentioned, like ThoughtSpot. And we I know there are some other companies that are building on top of Cube as well, you know, like to provide the natural language interface. Because now this AI system that actually can ask follow-up questions, I think that was a missing piece back then. You know, like when ThoughtSpot and some other companies try to build the the like natural language interface to the data, it was like pretty much you know like one one shot. You kind of try to ask a question, and the yeah. system tries to guess and gives you an answer. And now this actually the system can start asking the follow-up questions, like what do you mean by active users and what do you mean by the quarter, right? Like and all of this. So you know, like and it can creates this understanding and then query semantic layer and then you know like hopefully gives you the correct answer so i think you know like it's going to be a lot of interesting interesting you know like ways to interface and in a, in a work with data like ai driven ways to explore and work with data so that's something you know like i'm really looking forward in the next five years to yeah that's cool what, what do you think paul yeah i think i think like from semantic layer perspective uh I think SQL should be extended, uh, like mm. uh, in five upcoming years, and it and it will actually blur the lines uh, of like semantic layers, data warehouses, BI tools, and basically will create a lot more ways of for interconnection. That uh, basically, uh, uh, like BI tools, uh, I think uh, will will probably. Uh, gain some data from like based on a SQL from other like semantic layers, either like built like 
like as a standalone semantic layers like cube or like semantic layers inside of data warehouses, there there will be a standard, like more like standardized way to fetch this data and query this data using SQL. So it will create a lot of more opportunities to like interconnect tools. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, I believe uh, more like this in like software engineering practices win and uh, like semantic wares, which code based will like become more like a standard here. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. That's it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. And I, my personal take is I think they're here to stay. I don't think they're, they're going anywhere. I, I don't think we're going to go back to the world just like a kind of scattershot SQL queries and um, you know promiscuous definitions just floating around uh, in the air. I don't know. What do you think? Uh... Probably here to stay, just going to evolve rapidly. Yeah. I, I love this discussion, Artem, about uh, the interactivity of uh, these large language models and starting with ChatGPT, right? And if you think about it, if you think about using uh, uh, I don't know, like Siri, right? That interaction is very stilted. It's very phone tree. Like it's like push right. one, push two, whatever. Yeah. Whereas this like open-ended using a tool to explore your data. And then if we can combine that with semantic layer, that yeah. seems like a very powerful approach. Yeah. Cause I mean, the thing that the LLMs get wrong is that, well, they get a lot of things wrong. Um, I mean, cause they're, they're basically just, they're, they're token prediction engines. Yeah. They, yeah. Oh, they're supposed to provide the most convincing answer that, you know, based on a probability of, um, you know, what, what tokens are associated with what word path you're on. Um, and that's it. It's not, I mean, and, and so like with GBD four, they were, you know, through the human interaction, the reinforcement cycle there, it gets more accurate, but that's, um, not what it's trained to do from a deep learning perspective. Right. right? right. As far as I can tell, I think they keep it number four, like very quiet. Um, but having a semantic layer would be cool because then at least you provide assuming can be trained correctly on it, the definitional integrity of like, what does a metric mean? Right. So that's right. That's sort of the missing piece. So right, right now it's like, well, I don't know, a customer it could be a, a horse or a, uh, or yeah. a car. Well, you basically doesn't make any sense. Checks, right. Yeah. To, to actually validate that it's giving you correct information. Semantic layer sounds like a very important tool for that. Yeah, certainly. Cool. Awesome. Uh, cool. Um, for people who want to learn more about what you guys are up to at cube, how can they do that? Um, the cube is open source, so and you know that's probably GitHub repository is the best place to land on the cube. Nice. You know, like and we have a website, so too, so you know, like there's two areas, and we have a Slack community, so to ask questions. So right. this three places probably the best, you know, like way, and you know, like I also welcome everyone, you know, like who wants to learn more, just ping me on LinkedIn, you know, like and would would love to chat. Cool, yeah. And uh, I'll throw it out to Jonathan Neo if he's looking for another open source project to uh, contribute to. Maybe a, <laughs> a shout out to the uh, guys at Cube. So it's that's cool what you're working on. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm excited for the, the that future. So thanks for being on the show. Thank um, you. Thank you for having cool. us. Yeah, anytime. Uh, upcoming stuff for us, Matt. What are you uh, up to this week? Um, I'm trying to make it to the low key data happy hour in uh, Manhattan tomorrow. So if I make if my flight gets there in time, I should. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's well, it's yeah. 2023 and flights are. Yeah, yeah. It's, who knows? Lord knows yeah, what the hell happens with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds fun. Um, yeah, I'll be in uh, Munich um, later this week. I'll be keynoting at the Applied AI Conference in Munich. Uh, some MLOps thing. It's on. What is it? Friday. So if you're in the area, um, come say hi. Then I'll be in Berlin uh, next week. Um, just hanging out. I think I'm doing a bunch of podcasts there. So. Should be fun. Um, yeah, ran into one of the guys here, uh, Sebastian, actually at, at PyCon, we're at a uh, AWS event, and 
recognize anybody as a funny mustache, so we're gonna go to a podcast. It's it's good to have a distinctive mustache. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I can't grow one. Um, look absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, oh, and by the way, so Matt and I were um starting to uh, do data engineering workshops as well. So if you want, uh, if your company wants to, um, you know, you and your data team want to learn uh, data engineering, uh, hit us up. You know how to get a hold of us, uh, and so that'd be a lot of fun to work with a lot of the companies out there. So yeah. Yeah. We'll have some information available for you. So if yep. you reach out, we can have a conversation about it. Yeah. yeah. Sounds fun. All right, cool. Well, we'll see you all next Monday. Uh, so we'll talk then. All right, see ya. Awesome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Peace.